Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. As a Byzantine Catholic priest and pastor, certain questions that I'm asked often, they are simple questions, but actually the answers I find to be not so simple or difficult or almost awkward. Nothing wrong with the question. What I mean is questions as simple as this. Someone's interested in our church or experiencing our church that they have not so far, and they might say to me, well, Father Tom, what time is your liturgy on Sunday? I'd like to come. Or they might say, what time are your liturgies? What time are your services or masses, they might say. And that's a simple, innocent, wonderful question. But for me, it's a little bit awkward. (laughs) Not because of the question, because of this reason. Because, first of all, I answer that our divine liturgy, our, our mass is called divine liturgy. In other words, our Eucharistic liturgy, we only have one at my parish. It's at 10 o'clock. And when I say that, the person usually looks at me kind of strange, like that's all just one liturgy. This is, yeah, we get everybody in in one liturgy, and that is actually the ideal. It follows the Eucharistic theology of being one body in Christ. And any church would like to have that. It's just logistics and practicality that does not always permit that. But whenever you can, any church, both East and West, would like to have the whole community together in one Eucharistic celebration. What a wonderful thing it is. It really is. So first of all, it sounds a little strange just answering that question that way. But the other reason why it's a little bit awkward for me is because to give the time of our Eucharistic liturgy undersells our Sunday or weekend celebration. In other words, what it is we offer to God in the Byzantine Church and at my parish of Annunciation, Homer Glen, Illinois, it undersells it in terms of what we do on the weekend. In other words, our whole liturgical life on the weekend. The reason is, is because although we have one liturgy on Sunday, it almost sounds like we're not giving God totally his due or not allowing for enough worship time and so on. But actually, the truth of the matter is our worship, our weekend obligation to God, our weekend honoring and worship to God begins on Saturday evening, but not with a liturgy or Eucharist, but rather with the evening prayer, the Vespers. Then on Sunday morning, it is the Matins service, a morning prayer service, and then the Eucharistic service. Now, whenever I say that, I also get another sometimes puzzled look because it is not as widely known or as widely perhaps regarded in terms of common practice in the Western lung of the church, the Latin rite, to have in parishes a liturgical light that includes not just the Eucharistic masses on the weekend, but also 
the evening and morning prayer of the church. Whereas in the Byzantine church, and many Eastern churches, and certainly in my parish, the evening prayer on Saturday evening, Vespers, and the morning prayer, Matins, is very much a part of the entire cycle of prayer for the weekend. And both of those services culminate, they come to their climactic point in the Eucharist. So whenever I answer that we have just one liturgy on Sunday, one Eucharistic liturgy, it undersells what our practice really is. In other words, how much devotion we really do give to God. And in the Eastern churches, the morning and evening prayers, in fact, all the prayers of the Eastern church, not only the Eucharist, the liturgy, but all of the prayers, and there are many. There are prayers that go 24 hours a day, actually. They are all designed to be done communally, or in other words, liturgically. They can be done privately. You can use the book by yourself, you know, the the prayer books, the prayer of the church, and so on. But they're really designed to be practiced and done in, in a communal way. And this may sound a little bit different or even a little bit strange. But in Eastern churches, this is a very real thing. And it certainly is that way at my own church. So to understand how we pray, to understand what I mean when I say we have one liturgy on Sunday, is to understand also that we also, in addition to that one liturgy, we have the evening prayer of the church on Saturday evening, which is called Great Vespers, and then the Matin service on Sunday morning. Matins begins at nine o'clock at my parish, and then it rolls into the liturgy at 10 o'clock. This is the beginning of the liturgical year. This is the second great feast day of that year, this Sunday, the Sunday of the exaltation of the cross. So it's a good time to recommit, and that's what I call people to do especially those who are Eastern Christians, Eastern Catholics, to recommit to a deeper awareness and practice of the church's liturgical life. It's the new liturgical year of the church. It used to be the regular, even the civil new year. It used to begin on September 1st in the Byzantine Empire centuries ago. Now it's just the liturgical new year. We had the Feast of the Nativity Mother of God, which is appropriate to begin the liturgical new year because liturgical year is all about the birth and suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. It's the cycle of Christ's life, the incarnation. So naturally, it makes sense to begin with the birth of the mother of God. We begin to set the scene, the stage for the coming of Christ, and then the whole cycle unfolds from there. And then we have the exaltation of the cross this Sunday. So two great feasts already are upon us as we begin the liturgical year. But as we do begin that liturgical year, I'd like to call all of you, and especially if you are practicing Eastern Catholics, to a renewed commitment to the liturgical life of the church, to come to know it better, to immerse yourself in it better. And if the weekend liturgical life at your own parish maybe isn't totally complete with the Vespers and Matins, for whatever reason, there's sometimes practical logistical reasons for this, why not see what you can do about that? Approach your pastor. And I'll give you another hint too. If you're a layperson, there's a lot you can do. The Matins and the Vesper services were actually designed to be done even without clergy. Now, in their fullest form, yes, we have a priest, or ideally a bishop, priest, and deacon, and laity, cantor, you know, the whole church. Ideally, that's how it's designed and should be and can be done. However, even without a deacon, priest, or bishop, the Vesper service and Matin service can, in large part, still be prayed by the laity, the worshiping community. Because remember, when you go back far enough, the prayer of the church was not just for clergy. It was the people who gathered and Later on in Christianity, but early on in terms of the church history, monasticism developed. And monasticism was basically a lay movement. It was a laity who wanted to go off and immerse themselves ever more deeply in the life of Christ, in the ascetical discipline, in repentance and prayer. 
And especially in the Eastern churches, the prayer of the church developed in large part in the monasteries, which, as I mentioned, were largely populated by lay people, who eventually took on the roles, yes, they became tonsured and so on, as officially as monks, monasticism developed as a, an official calling or place and status in the church, and then some of the monks became priests and then even bishops. But originally, and still, in its essence, monasticism is the prayer of the church, the discipline of the church for everyone, whether clergy or not, whether you're ordained or not. And so the prayer of the church, matins and vespers, can be done even by ladies. So you can actually start this in your own parishes or missions if you don't have it already. In fact, many times what happens in my parish, there are times when I personally cannot attend the Vespers or the Matins, mostly the Vespers, because I may be out on the road. In other words, out on the stump, giving talks and lectures and retreats as I do quite a bit around the country and even out of the country. So sometimes I myself cannot be at all these services. Nonetheless, my cantors, and if there's a deacon present as well, and even sometimes they can't be present, the cantors, the laity, will still pray the services. Now, they won't do the parts for the ordained ministers. They won't, of course, do the deacon parts or the blessings and prayer of the priest. But they will do, basically, the guts of these services. And you'll find that when you look at these services, as we will, the guts of it really do not necessitate the presence of an ordained minister a bishop, priest, or deacon. Yes, it is the fullest form. It's very good. That's ideally what what you do want. And I, of course, try to attend these services in my parish regularly, except, like I said, if I happen to be absent. But the guts of it are not dependent upon an ordained minister. And that's part of the beauty of the prayer of the church. Anyone can do the prayer of the church, and anyone should do the prayer of the church. So if your parish does not have the matins or vespers, in fact, any other of the services, there are many other services in our church, but at least on the weekend, to make your weekend parish observance more complete, if you are in an Eastern parish, I highly recommend considering forming or beginning, of course, with pastor permission, even if he can't be part of it for whatever reason, ask him if you can't get a few people together and start learning the Vespers and the Matins, at least the, as they say, the guts of it. We're going to look at these services to see how and why they were prayed and why, you'll see as we look at them, why they can be prayed. You can start this prayer movement in your parishes with or without ordained ministers, but as I mentioned, always with the permission of your pastor. It's a good thing, a very good thing, because the church is praying as it is supposed to be prayed. In other words, the ways that the prayer was handed down to us by saints, great saints, the fathers of the church and the great holy monks. The liturgical prayer in the Eastern churches is basically a combination of monastic prayer and the prayer and services that were done at the great cathedrals of the Eastern churches. And one would borrow from the other. Like if the monks attended some of these great services at the cathedrals, they would adopt those in their monasteries and vice versa. Those priests and bishops from the great cathedrals would adopt some of the monastic practices. So the liturgical prayer of Eastern churches is a fusion of monasticism and also what did go on centuries ago or over the centuries at the great cathedrals. So it's very complete and it's very, very rich, but it's not just for monks. It's not just for ordained ministers. It's not an either-or thing. The prayer of the church is the prayer of the church. And the more complete it is, the more, I believe, the church itself will be blessed, will be blessed individually and corporately as a church 
So what we're going to do is, when we come back, we're going to look at these prayers, the Vespers and the Matins, look a little bit about their origin and what they're about and how to pray them. And again, I urge you to consider developing a more fuller prayer life at your own parish or mission and also in your personal life as well. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're talking about the prayer of the church, especially on the weekend, particularly in Byzantine Catholic parishes. And we're talking about how the completeness of that prayer, that it's not just in the Eucharist itself. And that's why when we have just one Eucharist on a weekend, which is the ideal, we're not underselling our devotion to God because we accompany that, or we should, with the rest of the prayer of the church, which includes, as I mentioned earlier, the evening Vesper service and the morning Matin service. Now, the Vesper service, it's one of the most beautiful services in the Eastern churches. It has a, has a special kind of charm to it. It really does. And what it is, really, it's a liturgical walk through salvation history. It utilizes not only the prayers, but also the church layout itself. And this is why it's very important to have the correct and proper and fully developed architecture and design and iconography in Eastern churches, because it all works together. It's the same in the Latin Rite Church as well, but it's, it's especially intrinsic and integrated in the Eastern churches. We really depend upon the architecture and the design, the interior design, the art, all the, the things, the, you know, the furniture, whatever you want to call it, all, the, all of the appointments all come together along with the chant and the prayer and the movement of the, of the liturgy. 
In the Vesper service, the ordained ministers, the leaders, you know, whether it's a deacon or priest, stand at first outside of the icon screen. That's the separation between the nave and the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. And there's something significant about that gesture. What it's saying is that the gates of paradise were present when Adam and Eve were around. They were there. And Adam and Eve were king and queen of that creation. And all was good. So that one of the first prayers that we chant in our Vesper service is the Psalm 103, the great praise of God's creation. In other words, everything is good. We're like, we're in the Garden of Eden. All is wonderful and beautiful. But then we move into the litanies. We begin to ask God's mercy. We begin to enter into then that part of salvation history where we fell, starting with and after original sin, where Adam was cast out of the garden. So the priest is standing outside of the icon screen as though he were Adam begging to be let back into the closed gates of paradise. And then as the Vesper service continues, we sing and chant what are the dogmatic hymnody for that day. Now, dogmatic hymns are just that. They're hymns, chants, that sing words that are very poetic, very theological. And I've demonstrated them on this program many times. They're part of the the charm, the beauty, the guts, the uniqueness of Eastern services, this dogmatic hymnody. It's hymns, but they're basically pronouncing the dogma, and they're, they're great meditations. They use paradox and metaphor and poetry. Very profound, very beautiful, very meaningful. Great for sermon material for, for priests and deacons. <laughs> so we move through those, which basically are a meditation, a proclamation of the particular theme of that feast day. Or if it's on Saturday evening, it's always the theme of the resurrection. And there may be another theme as well on top of that, such as this Sunday, which is the theme of the exaltation of the cross. So the hymns are going to focus on the mystery of the cross along with the resurrection. You always have the resurrection because the Vesper service is the vigil service for the next day. In other words, the day begins, Sunday begins at Vespers, at sunset. So the Vesper service is praying in regard to Sunday. So it's always going to include the resurrection, along with any other theme, such as today's theme of the cross. Then at a certain point, after the incensation, in which we sing, Oh, let my prayer rise like incense before you. We're offering our prayers up to God, our sincere plea to God, like as though it were incense, rising up to him, wanting him to save us, to forgive us. Then at one point after doing all that, there's a procession, if it's great vespers, on Saturday evening with the incense. The doors of the icon screen are open. The priest comes to the front of the royal doors where the deacon proclaims, wisdom be attentive. The doors are open and the priest enters back into the Holy of Holies as though re-entering into the Garden of Eden or into heaven. The lights are turned way up or candles are lit at that point and we sing the great ancient hymn, O joyful light, light of holy glory of the Father. And this is a very, very beautiful and ancient hymn. It goes all the way back to the second century. It always is a thrill for me to sing that Vesper hymn because I'm thinking to myself, we're singing here what Christians before us sang all the way back to the second century. We align ourselves with those who came before us, who have gone on ahead of us, and we are united in that kind of prayer. It's very inspiring for me. It's a very beautiful hymn. In fact, we're going to listen to that hymn sung by my parish choir of Annunciation, Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. This, again, is the hymn, O Joyful Light from Vespers.
again, that was the great hymn from Vespers, O Joyful Light, sung by the Annunciation Parish Choir of Homer Glen, Illinois, my parish. And you can actually hear this hymn sung, along with many other hymns from our liturgical life, on our Theosis CD that was made by our choir. You can obtain that by simply going to our website, byzantinecatholic.com, and finding out about how to get a copy of our Theosis CD. It's a, it's a great thing to listen to because, again, you get a great sense of our liturgy, the sound of it. And our choir worked very hard in putting out this little CD, and it's become very popular over the years and a great reference. So, again, Theosis CD, byzantinecatholic.com, by Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. After the beautiful hymn of light or joyful light, which, by the way, is referring to Christ, the light who comes into the world. That's why we raise the lights and light the candles in the church at that point. The church is, before that, their church is a little bit dim, a little bit darkened, because it's being dominated by sin. Again, that's salvation history. There was this darkness that came about as a result of original sin, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden of paradise. Now Christ, the true light, comes into that darkness and redeems us. And after that, There are readings from the Old Testament, usually three readings. After those readings, then, there are litanies, and then more of the dogmatic hymnody. The first set of hymns were called stichida, which means basically verses. And the second set, which comes after the readings, are called the apostica. In other words, the the after hymns, the after verses. So it's another set of verses. Again, meditations, poetically, theologically, using metaphor and paradox, on the theme of the resurrection or the particular theme of the day. There is an extra one, such as, again, this Sunday with the exaltation of the cross. And then another striking moment in the Vesper service is where the lights are again dimmed down a little bit, not all the way, though, and we sing the beautiful hymn, Now You May Dismiss Your Servant, O Lord. This was the hymn that was sung by Simeon in the temple when the Blessed Mother put the Christ child in his arms when he was presented in the temple according to the law. And Simeon said, now you may dismiss your servant of the Lord. In other words, I can die now because I waited, I lived till I would see this Messiah. Now I have the Messiah himself. I have God himself in my hands. He whom not even the universe can contain is contained here in my own hands. So he felt that he could die now. There was nothing else to be seen on this earth. And we sing that same hymn as we're coming then towards the end of Vespers, that our Lord can now dismiss his servants because we have seen the light. We beg Christ at the beginning of the service to forgive us, to enter into our reality, our reality darkened by sin, and to redeem it, to bring his light back in. And in fact, he does according to this service. And so we say, O joyful light, and also now you may dismiss your servant, O Lord, because my eyes have seen a light of revelation to the Gentiles. So you see how often and how prominent this motif of light is, always associated with Christ. We're very, very much into light in the Eastern churches. And therefore, sometimes we have to dim things down in the church so as to make that contrast, make the light even brighter. As you know, the light shines brighter in the darkness. And this is part of the Vesper service. Again, it's a liturgical walkthrough of the whole rhythm of salvation history. And then, of course, there is the dismissal by the priest, the final singing of the thematic hymn of the day, which is called the Tropar, and a hymn to the Mother of God called the Theotokian. And then the service ends with the blessing and dismissal by the priest. So this is how our day begins. It begins this way every day in the Eastern Church liturgical calendar, but it's particularly significant on Saturday evening because that's beginning then Resurrection Sunday. 
Sunday always celebrates the resurrection, as I mentioned. So we begin it with the Vespers, and on Saturday evening, they are therefore called the Great Vespers. They have some parts that the Daily Vespers would not have, but Daily Vespers are basically the same. So there isn't huge distinctions between the greater services and the more common or daily services in the Eastern churches. They're basically the same, but there are some differences. But on Saturday evening, it's the Great Vespers, which begins the new day, begins Sunday, the eighth day, the day of the resurrection. In the future, we'll talk more about the liturgical life of the Byzantine church. In particular, we'll look at the morning prayer, the matin service. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. <laughs>